You've got to listen or you'll miss it. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Shirley. Now you'll see there, there's a lot of other verses that are there before that particular verse. And we're going to get into those verses here in just a moment. So if you're just joining us this Sunday, what we have been going about for the last three Sundays is talking about the promise of God during this Advent season. And what we have seen is the promise of God being predicted. We have seen it uh, being proclaimed. We have seen it being revealed or presented. And today we're going to hear about the promise of God being something that is pursuing, that is coming for us in the most gentle, compassionate, loving, and confrontational way that you can imagine. So what we've recognized over the last few Sundays is that the promise, in fact, is Jesus. And God's promise is completely manifested and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And what we've recognized is that he has been proclaimed to us in hope, that he has been promised to us and predicted in love and joy and hope, and that there is peace that comes because of him. And so as we turn to the fact that this promise is pursuing, it is something that can take us back. It is something that can frighten us somewhat. Because to think that something or someone is pursuing you can be very scary. I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever been chased by somebody? <laughs> nice. I have. Now, it was fun. We were playing Chasey, and it was good. And I didn't want to get caught because I didn't want to be it. But most of us in our life have experienced a time where we have been sought after by someone. And what we find out in this promise is that he is always seeking in his steadfast love. Before we jump into this, let me pray for us. Lord, I just pray that you'll be with us as we talk about your pursuing love. Your pursuing love and how the promise is Jesus and what he has done to bring us back into whole relationship. While there are moments where it is uh, a place where we want to shout and scream for joy because of it. It is also a place that is scary because in your pursuit, there is something that has to change in us. And we don't like to change things often in our lives. And so I pray that as we hear, Father, we pray from you today that you are pursuing us and that you love us, that we will stop and listen. Let us hear your words to us today. Amen. If you look in your worship folders, or if you want to turn in your phones or your Bibles to Luke 15, you'll see that passage there. And it's Jesus giving us some parables, some stories to let us know what the kingdom of God is all about. And he tells three. He tells the story of a lost sheep, he tells the story of a lost coin, and he tells the story of a prodigal son or a lost son. And if you've ever spent any time in church at some point, you've probably heard one or all three of these stories. So what we're going to do when we're thinking about the fact that Jesus himself says, I have come to seek and to save, 
And that word seek is a pursuing seeking. It's not a passive seeking. It's not something that he's like hopeful that something will come his way. He is actively in the process of looking. Jesus lets us know of what that looks like when he tells these stories of this uh, shepherd, of this widow, of this woman looking for a coin, and of a father who waits for his son to come home. So, uh, just real quickly, I'll tell you those stories. But first, I must tell you uh, of a time where I searched for something. I- I'm almost a little leery to tell you this story because it reveals a little something, maybe more than what I want to share with you about myself. And it opens me up for ridicule, quite honestly, from macho men who walk around in Australia quite a bit. You see, when I was born, my mother and father gave me a little stuffed animal that was a lamb, and it was plush, a plushie, and it was beautiful. And as a little baby, I loved it, and it slept in my bed with me. And as uh, is the case, I've really enjoyed that little stuffed animal. It had a bell that was in the tail, and I would ring it or put it in my mouth. Now, as I grew older, you would think that that little stuffed lamb would go away and not be in my bed anymore. As a child grows up, they get rid of their plushies and move on. But for me, I did not. I liked having it. I thought it helped me sleep a little bit better. And without it, I was nervous that I wouldn't be able to sleep. Now, what you don't know about me is I really don't sleep that well anyway. I tended to have this thing that whenever I was growing up, if it was an even number, I could fall asleep, but if it was an odd number, I couldn't fall asleep. So if it was between 9 and 10, I was never falling asleep, but as soon as 10 hit, then I might be able to fall asleep until 11, and then I'd have to be up until midnight. That's another issue. We might unpack that some other day. (laughs) But with this stuffed little lamb, I felt like I was secure, and it was good. But as I continued to grow up and I continued to need the stuffed lamb, my parents began to wonder a little bit about me. And it really all came to a head one night when I had a friend stay the night over at my house. And I was old enough to recognize that me sleeping with a little lamb might cause ridicule. So I didn't want them to know about it. And so I got in my sleeping bag early before he got there and I put the lamb at the feet of my sleeping bag. That way I knew that when I got in my sleeping bag, my feet would touch the land. Because that's how important it was to me. And we slept that night, and it was great. No problem. Rolled up the sleeping bag the next morning, put it in the closet. He went home, never knew. Never knew. And then, that evening, when I got in bed to go to sleep, Lammy was not there. I know, not very creative name. And so I began to look in my bed for Lammy, and I couldn't find Lammy, and I wanted to find Lammy. And and he wasn't there, and so I began to look around my room. I mean, we had played, and we had picked up, and we had played, and there were still messes around. And so I began to look, and I couldn't find Lammy, and I needed to find Lammy. And so my parents started to hear me moving around because they knew I should be asleep, but they knew I wasn't asleep. And so they came in to find out what was going on, and I said, I can't find Lammy. I need to find Lammy. If I don't find Lammy, I'll never be able to sleep. And my mom said, well, all right, let's, where have you been? Did you take it out of the room? What does it look like? Let's look all over the house. And my father at that point, he's a loving and generous man, just went back to his bedroom. And so (laughs) 
I began to continue to look for my Lammy in my room, and, and we expanded the search party. We, my mom joined me, and we started going around our house and looking in other rooms and in pantries and in the refrigerator and any place that I could think of. Maybe it's outside, and we go and look outside, and it's not there at all. And at that time, my dad, who was still a very loving and generous man, uh, was wondering why his wife had not come back to bed with him. And so he got up to begin to see what was going on, and not looking for my Lammy, but looking for us, found us and said to me, what is going on? And I said, I can't find Lammy. I have to find Lammy. If I don't find Lammy, I'll never be able to go to sleep. And my dad said, you're f however old I was. <laughs> There's no reason why you cannot sleep without that stupid little lamb. Now, he might not have said it that way, but that's the way I remember it because it crushed my heart that my dad didn't recognize that I needed that lamb to sleep so much. And finally, he said, where was it last night? And I remembered. That's the image I want you to think about. Not as desperate as a boy of a certain age looking for a stuffed animal that he should have given up several years before. But that's the picture I want you to imagine as we think about this God who seeks and to save those who are lost. Because what we recognize in the story of the shepherd and what we recognize in the story of the lost coin and what we recognize in the story of the prodigal son is that there is something about the father that says, I can't live without this. I must have it. Not as a possession, not to keep, but because it was mine to begin with. And I want it back. And so when we hear about the promise, we see that Jesus is the one who is seeking to save us. Jesus is the one who recognizes that there's a brokenness that has taken place and his love is so massive and secure. His love is so glorious and real that it can't help but say, I want all of it for me. And I will not rest until I get it. We recognize that in the story of the shepherd. Why? Because he leaves the 99 and he goes and he looks for the one that is lost. We recognize it in the young lady, the woman who is searching for the silver coins. Why? Because she cleans her whole house. She looks in every corner and under every crevice and she can't stop until she finds it. And we recognize it in the father. Now, the story of the prodigal son and the father is a little different because we don't see the father rushing out to pursue the son. We see his pursuit, what some might seem as passive, we see his pursuit not really as passive, but as anticipation. There's almost a sense that the father knows that the son will come back, that he recognizes that he's prepared. Why do we know that? Because it says that he saw the son from a distance. It tells us that he was looking for the son every moment of every day. That he would go about his life always turned towards some direction, hoping to see a glimmer of his son coming back. And so he was actively looking, anticipating. And in fact, that's the way the father operated. Actually, from the beginning of time, when the fall came, that brokenness of relationship, where Adam and Eve decided we want to be like God. When they decided that, no, we should sit on the throne of our heart. And what that did for us is it gave all of us this inclination, this sort of bent to say, I think I might know a little bit better than you, God. Or, if you're like me, I think I know a whole lot more 
than you, God. But what God had done since that time beyond as He promised to Adam and Eve is, I will send someone who will pursue you with an everlasting steadfast love and will bring you back into whole relationship with me, with yourself, with all others in place. And we recognize that happening in this story. But I think what's interesting about it most of all is it's something, it tells us something about ourselves that we miss often. You see, Lammy wouldn't have been lost had Lammy not been mine to begin with. That coin wouldn't have been lost had it not been the woman's to begin with. The sheep would not have been lost had it not been the shepherd's to begin with. The son would not have been prodigal had he not been a son to begin with. And oftentimes we in our own lives will forget who we are. We will think of ourselves as other things. Perhaps it's things that we've put on ourselves, some identity that we've decided to grasp hold of because we think that it will give us power or acceptance. Perhaps it is an identity that we put on ourselves based on our relationships with other people that they tell us who we are and how we should be. I know some of you here today have lived lives trying to live up to an expectation that somebody has put on to you that you never will. Or you've been trying to live down an expectation that they said to you over and over again, which tore your spirit down. What I want you to hear today is that this pursuing promise looks at you and says, no, while all those things you might feel like define you, they are not the thing that defines you the most. The thing that defines you the most is the fact that you are mine. And you always were, because if you weren't, you wouldn't have been able to get lost. That's why Jesus says, and God says, I want a people of my own possession. He wants to bring us back. Now with the sheep, we, we can't really see it happening where the sheep recognizes that, oh, I'm a sheep and I should hang out with other sheep. He actually gets caught and the shepherd has to save him. With the coins, obviously, they're inanimate objects. It's not like the coins were screaming out from the crevice of the couch, we're here, we're here, although that would make a great animated movie. But with the prodigal son, we see it. We see this particular verse in the story of the prodigal son. It's verse 17, if you want to see it in chapter 15 of Luke. He says this, it says this, but when... He came to himself. Some translation says when he came to his senses. That really doesn't carry the full dynamic of what that word is. It's saying when he realized who he was. You see, at that point, the prodigal son had put all sorts of different labels on himself. He put all sorts of different names and identities on himself. And he thought to himself, I, I, this is who I am and this is how I'll be known and recognized. And in fact, it wasn't and it brought him only despair. And as he was sitting there looking at swine, he came to himself. He recognized beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am the son of my father. Now, his thought was, I don't still deserve to be a son. Right? But he knew he was a son. And that's what changed him. So uh, what I hope that we can gather today, and I need it reminded to myself almost every moment of every day, is that my identity rests completely in that I am God's. And that I was and still am. 
that he was pursuing me before the foundation of the world, not because of how special I am, but because he loves us and wants us to be with him in relationship. And so in some ways, today is a day for us to recognize this pursuing promise comes to remind us of who we are. That in recognizing who this baby who grows into a man who dies on a cross to bring us into salvation and then raises from the dead, that this Jesus Christ, in fact, the promise of God is a reminder and telling me who I am and who you are. How glorious that is. How amazing that during this season we have an opportunity to be reminded that this pursuing promise wakes me up and says, you are more than all the things that you allow to define you. That you are a child of God. One who is lovingly pursued over and over and over again, regardless of what has gone on. Regardless of what you have had identify you or allowed yourself to be identified as. That God moves in that way. But here's the best part. The best part is what happens when we recognize it and we see the promise pursuing and catching. The best thing that we see happening is this. It's not some reserved recollection in our minds that, oh yes, that's who I am. It's not some place that we recognize and see, now that I know who I am, I must live accordingly. That's not the first instinct that happens here. The first thing that happens, listen. And when he came home, he called together all his friends and his neighbors, and he said to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And when she had found the coins, she called all her friends together and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that was lost. And he grabbed his son and he said to his servants, go kill the fatted calf. Go get me the best uh, foods to eat. My son who was dead is now alive. Who was lost is now found. And they begin to celebrate. It tells us there, Jesus says, look, just like that celebration that happens with the, the, the shepherd, I tell you that there is more joy, more joy in heaven over one who repents than 99 righteous people who don't. He tells us with the woman, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God. Check that out. It's not joy of the angels. It's joy before the angels. That means who's celebrating? God. Just like the Father who says, we need to celebrate. The pursuing promise, when it grabs a hold of our hearts and our minds, when it begins to transform us, leads to a place of celebration, a place where we cannot help but have a party, a place where we cannot help but be filled with the abundance that is the Father's love for us, that it will overcome all things, that everything will be made right again, as Clint reminded us a few Sundays ago. Why? Because Jesus... Because the pursuing promise has come as a little baby to bring us this steadfast, amazing love. Now, in case you're wondering, I don't have Lammy anymore, at least not in my bed. But I've had that Lammy for 48 years. 
And there's something about it that when there are times that are hard and times that are struggling and times that are a place that I sometimes would like to get that lammy out and hold him. But he's not here with me. He's actually with my mom in her house. What we're reminded about the promise of God is that he is our lamb. He is the lamb sacrificed for us who brings comfort and mercy and peace for us. So if you're here today and you just happen to stumble in or because your family has dragged you here and you're feeling grumpy about it, let me say to you this. Please hear God tell you, I know who you are. You're my child. I love you. I want you to be my child. I'm pursuing you. I'm coming after you. And if you're here today and maybe you've walked that path with God for a long time, I want you to hear me say this. Let us not believe that it is a system that we're following. Let us believe that it is a celebration of the love that God has. And every celebration has an overflow. Every celebration has stuff that people call the neighbors about. Every celebration has things that just spill over. And so our lives should be one of abundance that just spills over the grace and mercy and love of God. And so we don't do that by working harder. We do that by resting and recognizing the love that God has given to us. And so in this season, let's do that. Let's do that. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that these be your words. And if they're not your words, that they burn up and that they go away. Help us be reminded that you've pursued us to the ends of the earth and you have made us your sons and daughters. Thank you for choosing us before the foundation of the world to be such things. Lord, you're amazing. And it's in your goodness we pray. Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we respond to this song by singing a great song, Amazing Grace.